Welcome to day eight of Strange Love of Movies, 12 Days of Christmas. My name is Olivia Martinez, and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Oscar and Emily Martinez. And today we're going to be discussing a cult classic, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So people have differing opinions on this movie, I think. Don't you think it's kind of, some people really love it, some people really dislike it? Most of the people I know really like it. Yeah. Um, it's certainly kind of a, I mean, it's certainly a silly movie, and um, it's kind of wacky and has some pretty inappropriate moments, but I think it's really pretty popular. Yeah, I think it depends on your mood. You know, I've loved this movie, I've hated it, and this time, eh, it was all right. It's the same movie, though. That's what's so funny, right? It's like it doesn't, the movie is what, is what it is. It depends on your mood. That's true. And some of the Christmas movies we've seen this year, we can see every year and kind of they're laugh out loud funny and we just enjoy them every year. This is kind of movie I think that you kind of have to wait a year or two in between seeing it because we saw it last year and then we saw it tonight and didn't find it as funny tonight, and I think it's just because the jokes seem a little old yeah. just from last year. And I think that there's so many gags in this movie, and since we remember most of them, we're like, oh, yeah, there's the Christmas lights part or the attic part or whatever, and it's not as funny. But it's a funny movie. Like, we don't want to be down on it because it is a very good quality Christmas movie. What makes the movie work is Chevy Chase. I mean, he's the main actor, the, the star of the film. Very physical comedian, and the gags are the movie, and the skits make the movie, and most of the skits that work are the ones with him in it. And really, Chevy Chase is the movie. I mean, everything that's funny really does revolve around him. Around Walt Griswold, right? Anytime that he's... It's not Walt, Clark. <laughs> Clark Gis okay. Griswold. <laughs> and his boss is always getting his name wrong, so that was a reference to that, right? Oh, right. of course. I mean, literally everything bad that happens in this movie is because of him. And everything good is also because of him. Because he's a, he's a sweet guy. He, he has good intentions for this Christmas holiday. It just does not go as planned. He's kind of the ultimate sweet but dumb dad who is a frequent character in a lot of yeah. films. But he pulls it off just about better than anybody. Because he's constantly trying to do things to make his family happy on the holidays. But everything always goes wrong, and um, and he usually holds it together and stays optimistic. But one of the funniest scenes is toward the end where he just totally freaks out. <laughs> and every single National Lampoon's movie, there's like a scene like that, which is kind of realistic because, like, as humans, we all have breaking points, and he always just snaps near the end of the movies. Well, in the spirit of every sequel, it's a almost a frame by frame remake of the first movie. Think about every sequel you've ever seen. It's the same film. Because the first movie featuring this family was National Lampoon's Vacation, where they the whole family goes on a trip to California to see a Disneyland-type theme park that ends up being closed, of course, and there are all sorts of disasters along the way. <laughs> the dead ant or whatever. Oh my gosh, we won't get into that, but that's a really funny movie. And something I'm curious about is, what was the rating on National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Do you know? It was PG-13. Yeah, and National Lampoon's Vacation, the original, is R. And I think with a Christmas movie, you cannot make an R-rated family Christmas movie. It wouldn't be as successful or nearly as successful as this movie, especially in the 80s. For sure. I mean, you want to have want to give families a movie that they can go to at Christmas. And even though this has some language that's a little salty no. and some situations that maybe are um, not so family-friendly... Still, it's it's a movie that 
anybody older, I mean, I don't know if I'd let a five or six-year-old watch it, but it's actually pretty tame. Agree. Yeah, it's certainly irreverent. It has a, a bit of an edge, and it's not all that heartwarming. But it's funny, and anybody with a family can relate. And anybody with a family that's visiting for the holidays can relate. And there's some really funny things, especially with Cousin Eddie, played by Randy Quaid, which he made a career off of that character, just kind of a no-good brother-in-law, right? We're so lucky we don't have a Cousin Eddie. I know. It makes you... um, I think it probably strikes a chord with a lot of people who have family that kind of gets on their nerves. But um, it does make you, or at least in our case, I think it makes us appreciate our family more and more because, um, golly, we don't have anything compared to what the Griswolds have to deal with. <laughs> I mean, it would it would be entertaining for the kids. That's one thing I don't know in this movie. Like, they hate it so much. But I feel like they would be laughing about some of the situations they're put in. But in this movie, the kids just hate their lives so much. Should we even try to describe what the plot is? Or did we really do that? Where he wants a perfect Christmas and it's anything but. You know, both sides of the family could show up and then Cousin Eddie shows up. But there's a subplot with work and he's trying to get a bonus. There's a subplot with the neighbors who are all these these yuppies. Liv asked earlier, what's a yuppie? Yeah, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is one of the yuppie neighbors. Right before her Seinfeld fame, like literally on the cusp of it. But she's such, she plays such an Elaine (laughs) character. I know, they're so obnoxious. They're like this hip and happening, childless couple, and they're free and easy, and terrible things happen to them because of Clark. (laughs) Wouldn't you also be super mad at Clark? Yes, (laughs) He'd be the world's worst neighbor. Absolutely the worst. Yeah, it was... uh, I'd forgotten just how funny those parts were because they're just so extraneous, you know. Well, what are our favorite scenes? I think all the stuff surrounding the Christmas lights and Clark putting them up and them (laughs) failing miserably at the beginning and him just like losing all hope. I think that is just so funny. And also, do you know how long it would take to do those Christmas lights? How he does it? I mean, you guys have seen the movie if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure. He literally puts it on the entire house, the roof. The front, that is such a fire hazard, and it's just terrifying. And when the lights finally work, it knocks out the power for the whole city. It's really funny. Yeah, in a microcosm, he's like the the super, the uber dad who needs to do everything and take care of everything. And and he did a decent job on the lights, but it took forever to get to that point to, for them to come on. But I think that scene where he's putting them up, I think it's pretty classic. It's, <laughs> I, I hate to, you know, not have a different best scene, but that's, that is so funny because everybody can relate to that, especially in this DIY culture. DIY. I think you said it right the first time. Especially in this DIY culture where everybody is convinced watching a TV show that you can do exactly what they did on the video. I don't know if it's realistic to mom and I, but that could definitely happen to you, dad, because dads are always in charge of doing stuff like that. At least dad knows better than to try stuff like that. Well, he's never, cases, he's, he hasn't fallen off a roof yet. And in some cases, it's not by choice. Like in his case, it was by choice. He, he, ex- he gladly accepted the role of doing this. That was You could tell that's, that's, he thrived in that environment, but some others, eh, not so much. I think some of the funny parts, too, also revolve around his waiting for this bonus from his boss. And then when he doesn't get it, the boss getting kidnapped and all this silliness. And um, then when he kind of freaks out about, like, when he gets, what is it, a, a 
Jello of the month. Jelly, yeah, Jello jelly, of the month. Jelly of the month. Jelly of the month membership instead of this big bonus that he plans on. And uh, he's held it together and held it together and held it together. And then finally that just breaks him. He just goes crazy. He gets that giant swig of eggnog and is like, I'm done with this. And that's how a lot of people, I think, feel at Christmas or by the end of Christmas if they've been inundated with visitors and the pressures that surround Christmas and trying to make everything extra special. I think sometimes people just kind of break. They kind of explode. It's almost too much. Yeah, I think that the extended family is at their house for, what is it, 14 days at least? I mean, they're there forever. Imagine having to entertain those kind of people, those super obnoxious people, for 14 days. So, of course, Christmas is going to be the breaking point. And I also love how when everything goes wrong on Christmas Eve, they're all about to pack up and leave. As if nothing else has gone wrong this trip. Like, why was that the end? Like, stay for Christmas at least. I know. I was at the breaking point of the tree catches fire and somebody's hair burns off and the squirrel jumps out of them. And the poor <laughs> the poor kitty cat. Mom, we don't like that scene. Yeah, no, R.I.P. I don't like when the kitty cat gets electrocuted in the tree. But I wouldn't... A little, a little uh, backstory. I wouldn't see this movie for a long time. It was a big hit when it first came out. Mm-hmm. But for the longest time, I would not see this movie because I had heard that there was a scene where a cat gets, what is it, like kind of electrocuted in the tree. And I just thought, oh, that sounds so cruel. And I like cats. So it was like, why would they do that? As it is, it's like done in a pretty minor way. I mean, it's like you're not... It's not as not as horrible as I thought it would be. So. And it's very cartoonish. Yeah, very much so. Speaking on the popularity of this movie, so the budget was $25 million, which seems kind of high. It does. This movie didn't, didn't look that it good. It didn't look like a $25 million movie in 1989. That's a lot of money back then. Was Chevy Chase famous by then? Oh, yeah. SNL fame yeah, and all that? Yeah, yeah he was Oh, and he had already been in The Other Vacation, which made a lot of money. But it was $25 million and the box office was $73 million, which is a good return on investment for sure. But I'm sure it makes more money each season. We've said that before, Strange Love. I mean, these Christmas movies are great. If they're great, they are just the money. They bring in the money. It was interesting, too, that John Galecki, uh, Leonard from Big Bang Theory, was in this. He was the, little, he was the son. The funny thing about this, too, is it was five years after the original National Lampoon's vacation. And the kids were... I think older in the first movie, they, they somehow got younger. It doesn't matter. It's just yeah. a plot device, you know? The yeah, parents the, were the same, but the, the kids were completely different, you know? This series does not care about the children yeah, at all. Yeah, but, but he was good. That I mean, he, he actually did steal the show a little bit. One thing I noticed watching it this time was how many other famous Christmas movies it seems to have allusions to. Or I think other Christmas movies allude to this movie. Yeah, both ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think this has a, a scene that Elf maybe, um, when an Elf, when he brings in the giant Christmas tree, I think it's like kind of harkens back to Christmas vacation when Clark brings in this ridiculously large (laughs) Christmas tree to their house. And uh, there are several scenes like that that you think, oh, that's in another movie. Oh, like when the dog runs through the house and just destroys everything. That reminds me of that scene in Christmas Story. Well, when he takes a chainsaw to the end of the uh, stairwell. That's a it's a wonderful life reference, which you'll be hearing about pretty soon. But it's uh, oh yeah. yeah yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah, I didn't even think about that. And then at the beginning, this isn't a Christmas movie, but it's a very like Texas Chainsaw Massacre reference because he's already kind of crazy within the first ten minutes of this movie, and he's chainsawing the tree down. It's a mess. So guys, how many stockings are we giving National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? 
Dad, go ahead. Ladies first. I'm thinking three. I don't see gender, but I'll go ahead. Three out of five or six? Yeah, three out of five. five. Six. <laughs> We've been doing this for eight days, Dad. No, I forgot. Yeah, three because it was good and it was entertaining, but um, it had its moments. It really depends on your mood. Like I said, the movie doesn't change, but you do. And sometimes you're in a different mood and... It wasn't the best movie to watch it necessarily, but at the same time, it was still entertaining. It still got some good laughs out of it. So three, it's a solid three. Yeah, I would say 3.5 probably because I do remember loving this movie a few years ago and I think that, yeah, we just weren't in the right mood for it. But, oh man, that Christmas lights part and the dog and everything, everything is, I mean, it's, it's really funny. It is. So 3.5 I think is good. And I think I'll give it a three. I was, I was thinking of the movies that we've seen so far it probably was a little bit, I got a little bit more bored with it faster than the other movies I've seen. Well, what about Christmas Chronicles 2 oh, and Princess Switch 2? Oh my gosh. Well, compared to them, it was just, it was Frank Capra-esque. <laughs> but um, it was, but I think giving it a lower score than 3 is not fair at all. Oh. Because it is the kind of movie that I've seen over and over and over again. And some years I might enjoy it more than other years. But it's a rare movie that you can actually watch multiple times and still get some laughs out of it. I agree. I think this movie is kind of like the Frosty the Snowman animation where there are parts of that which are so cute and you love it, but then there are other parts that just drag and are not necessary. That's what the fast-forward button is for. Amen. But, Strange Love, we do not recommend fast-forwarding through movies because you'll miss the best parts sometimes. Amen, sister. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to Episode 8 of our 12 Days of Christmas series. We hope you enjoyed this, and I'm sure we're going to get some backlash for our semi-negative, not really negative, but a little negative view on this movie because... It is a classic, and I have so many friends who love this movie so much. And I do too, but I just don't love it as much as some of the other movies we're doing. Up next, day nine of our 12 Days of Christmas series is Miracle on 34th Street, Mom's Favorite. This will be a really sentimental one and a sweet one. That's a great movie, so be prepared for that tomorrow, guys. Ho, ho, ho. It will be quite a contrast from Christmas Vacation. Definitely, and I hope you guys have a happy holiday season, and I hope that it does not turn out like Clark Griswold's. Mm-hmm.